The reading for today is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, thanks, Laura. Uh, so I get the opportunity today to introduce somebody to you who's going to be preaching for us. Who uh, uh, Vermon Pierre is the founder of Roosevelt Community Church. They founded about 13 years ago. Um, and one of the things that I, I love about the Phoenix Church community is uh, the lack of competitiveness. There, there's really this sense and feel that we are in this together. We care about each other. We are for each other. And I think one of the greatest examples that I see in that is the connection between Redemption Church and Roosevelt Community Church. So right there on, what, First Street and Roosevelt? Um, it's an incredible church. Uh, Vermon has been the pastor there for a long time. Uh, he uh, and his wife, Danae, Danae is the executive director of the Surge Network, which is something we're a part of. Um, he is on the executive board of that, right? And then he's also on the executive board of the Gospel Coalition. But all, all that said, we are just so blessed to be able to have him here today. Please give him a round of applause, welcome him, greet him, and here he comes. Thank you, Cody. It's uh, great to be with you all. It's been a little while since I've, I've been with, uh, with the Redemption Church. I was at your old location a number of years ago. I had a chance to pop in on a, on a church service. I don't always get to do that since I, I, I do I do something else on Sunday mornings usually. <laughs> but uh, glad for the, the opportunity to be back with you in, in this great building and especially what a privilege to be allowed to preach God's word to you. So hopefully you have a Bible open at Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. I'm going to pray for us and then uh, we'll get going. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you and praise you for the opportunity we have to, to come under your word, Lord, and that's what we want to do. We want to hear, Lord, what you want us to hear. Um, we thank you, Lord, that we, we stand great confident in the fact that you love us, and that you have great things in store for us to, to learn and to grow in. And so we pray for, for that blessing, for that unique blessing, uh, as we, um, Lord, we trust that our hearts are ready, um, ready to be shaped, ready to be pointed in the directions that they need to, Lord, remove distractions, anxieties. Uh, may my words be clear, uh, may they even be piercing, uh, but Lord, may they ultimately be, be building us up more into the image and likeness of the Son. In his name we pray, amen. I read an uh, interesting article a number of years ago about casinos. A number of you have seen pictures of casinos or you've probably been in one if you want to admit it. Uh, if you go into a casino, I mean, there, there's some things you would immediately see. Uh, you would see people playing the slot machines, right? A lot of people doing that. See people playing blackjack at the blackjack tables. Uh, you would see people uh, playing roulette and, and placing their bets uh, on different numbers and hoping the ball lands on their number. Uh, and if you were to walk around and ask people why they're there, there are lots of different reasons why people go into casinos. Uh, but uh, the one thing I, I think I can say for everyone is, is that they want to be there to win. Right? They want to do well. Uh, they want to enjoy themselves and, and part of Enjoying yourself in a place like that is to, is to win. And, 
And of course, people in casinos have lots of strategies to make that happen. And so, uh, I, you know, I have family members who, who swear by certain slot machines in Atlantic City. If you go there at a certain time, it's going to have a payout for sure. Uh, there's people who, who say that if you play certain tables, that the dealer is, is a good dealer to, to, to play blackjack against and you'll, you'll win. Um, other people uh, really are sure that they, they play certain numbers on the roulette table. Uh, those numbers tend to come up, right? And they, they're more of a chance to, to win at those, those particular locations. And so uh, lots of different reasons why, why people go to casinos, lots of different um, beliefs in how they're able to win and succeed in those places. But that's not all that's going on in casinos. In fact, there's more to what's happening in casino floor than what you actually see in front of you. There is really a whole other world <laughs> behind the casino. It's a world that's occupied by the people who run the casino. And what this article points out is that um, at any point, uh, as people are playing within the casino floor, uh, there's a whole team of people, usually a couple levels up, in a room surrounded by computers and monitors, tracking everything that happens. And what they're doing is making sure that people win, but not win too much. <laughs> and they have every strategy possible. They have programs and other things running to make sure that happens. Uh, that a lot of the major casinos even have psychologists and people who are experts in human behavior on staff to help make sure that they stay in control of what happens. And so, uh, for example, uh, they make sure there's a free drink coming to the person who seems to be losing. Right? You might have lost $200 in that past hour, but you got a couple free drinks that might have only cost $20 for them to make, but you don't know. You got, you got a free drink. You feel good about yourself. Um, they, they make sure that uh, the minimum bet on a blackjack table is, is a certain level so that even when you're winning, you don't realize you're actually already behind. You're just trying to catch up <laughs> to the initial bet. But it feels like you're winning, you're doing well. The poker machines are designed now, they're, they're run by computers, and they're designed to, to be colorful and bright, to feel like a video game, like there's some strategy there. But the, the truth is, um, they're designed to help you slowly lose your money. Not so much that like, you think you're losing a lot, but you are losing a lot <laughs> as you're there pulling the lever time and time again. <coughs> so gamblers... And casinos, they think what they're doing, what they're playing against, what they're battling against is, is random cards. It's, it's lady luck. But that's not the real battle. See, the real battle is against the people who run the casino. And in that battle, like they say, the house always wins. They know what they're doing. They're in control. Um, they're waging a war that a lot of people are completely unaware of as they're out there on the casino floor. You know, you all have been in, in Ephesians, right, for, for a little while now. And, and over the last couple chapters, I mean, Paul has talked a lot about the Christian life, ways in which we're to live uh, in this world as Christians, ways in which Christian community is supposed to come together. Uh, just the last couple of weeks, you saw some of the ways relationships are meant to look like in Christ, or the ways we're to, to engage in marriage, the ways we're to parent, how work looks like. As we come to sort of this last chapter in Ephesians, what, what Paul wants to do as he finishes up this letter is to help us be aware that this isn't going to be easy. It's not going to be easy to do the things that he's been writing about and encouraging us towards. It's going to be a struggle, a battle. We can say even a, a war. And it's a battle, though, that 
a lot of us don't see. A lot of us are not aware of that. We, we see what's in front of us, and we think we're in control, that we can manage it, but in fact, we're just like the people pulling the lever. <laughs> we think we have control over the life that we're living and the influences that come at us. In fact, we're not nearly as in control as we think. And this morning, what I want to do is just it's sort of two major buckets we're sort of going to play with here. We're going to sort of try to understand the battle that we're in and try to, try to really appreciate what we often don't see, but what's really going on, the battle that we're in. It's one area, but then the other area I want us to be in is the help that we need to be able to, to face that battle and, and to be able to not lose it, but to win it. So first, the battle, the battle that we're in. Uh, and the enemy we face in that battle. Let's talk a bit about that. Verse 12 of chapter 6 in Ephesians lays this out for us. Let me read that. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So what Paul is saying here is that there's a tendency to look at flesh and blood, what's right in front of us. And Paul is saying that's not all what's going on there. That's, all not, that's not all that's happening. That's not the real battle. The battle that we're in is actually a spiritual battle, a reality behind what we see in front of us. And make no mistake, it's a battle. Right? This is not rock, scissors, paper here, right? This is not, we're, 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 we're not just uh, throwing dice or, or something random. No, this is this is a battle. This is, the word that's used there, it's we're wrestling. So this is hand-to-hand -hand combat, close quarters combat. You're, you're in it. It's in your face. It's a real struggle. It's, it's spiritual warfare. warfare. And, and the enemy we face in this spiritual battle is the devil. The Bible also refers to him as Satan. It's the devil. It's Satan and his demonic forces. They are opposed to God. They're opposed to the chief creation of God, which is us, human beings. And their aim is to influence the way we think, what we desire, the choices we make and don't make, to, to do everything that they can to bring in the kind of temptations and the kind of believable lies that, that make us draw away from God and away from the good purposes God has for us, the things that God originally created us for. Their intention there, their aim in this battle is to pull us away from that, to sink us deep into our own self, to seek us, seek us deep in our own sin. Our, our, and sin here, I mean the tendency, our natural tendency to not follow God, to not follow his good purposes. And, and Paul says they're a powerful enemy. So verse 12, it says, the rulers, the authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil from the heavenly realms. That, that's, that's Paul's way of just saying, look, these are ancient supernatural foes with the, with the status and the power and resources to bring to bear in this battle that they need to win it. This is what we're facing. Satan, the devil, his, his demons. And, and in saying all that, I mean, let's just, I mean, I'm going to have to take a step back and just say, all right, I realize what I'm saying out loud. I'm saying Satan, demons. I'm saying that out loud. I'm saying I, I believe in those things. But those things are, are, are real. That there's, there's actually a being called the devil or Satan. That there's actually spiritual forces of evil. There's, there's demons, there's, there's forces that he's marshaled together to, to fight against us. And I, I say this to say, you know, almost in this day and age, we have to say that kind of out loud and, and, and sort of wrestle with that because 
I mean, past generations, people, no, everyone would have bought that. No, no, no question about that. But today, uh, that's something we, we tend to dismiss. Something that, that people say, well, that's, that's, people back then used to think that kind of stuff. I mean, come on, Ramon. Really? I mean, we think of, of the devil right now. We think of a guy, red suit, horns, pitchfork, trying to get you to cut off the heads of chickens, smear blood on your door, right? Upside down crosses, pentagram. Well, that's, that's, what, that's what you're talking about, right? And I'm not, come on, I'm not, I'm not there, I'm not that. That's, that's the ways in which we tend to think of these kind of things. And so the idea of thinking of Satan and demons, it seems like too much. We can explain these things. Someone's bad background, right? It's a personality issue. It's a, that's, that's, that's why we explain sort of these bad things that happen. Satan, demons, I mean, come on. But then you, you read about something like ethnic cleansing. Right? So people going into to other places to, to wipe out an entire people group, to use everything possible, to use rape and abuse and kidnapping and murder <laughs> to wipe out a people. You read about another school shooting. You read about Parents, I just read about this recently. Uh, parents abusing their kids to the point where they're, they're, there's a group of parents, actually it was even locally, I think, where they're raising their kids in dog kennels. Dog kennels. Let, let's maybe even bring it closer. I mean, you just think about this. Think about just how easily this happens. Right? This happens so easily that, that kids shame other kids on social media so much that that now we see, for a lot of kids, uh, deep depression, suicidal thoughts, eating disorders over something that someone types on social media. How easily it, it flips over into that. That, that, that some of you, you've been in long-term relationships with a spouse, uh, with friends, with church members over weeks and years, and yet it's a couple of things that happen over a day or maybe a week, and it's instantly toxic and ugly. All that time spent, this good relationship, perverted, twisted, maybe even lost. See, the idea that I'm pushing before you is, is that there's, just, there's, there's things in this world that we can't easily explain, that we can't dismiss, that we can't ignore, that we can't control or manage. That just calling them bad things is not good enough. We need stronger words for this. We need a stronger sense of what it is. It's, it's not just bad things. It's demonic things. It's satanic things. That's the only thing that makes us make sense of it, that it's not just abstract, meaningless things out there. That if you think of the kind of evils that get perpetrated in this world and how the, 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 these kind of evils are, are, are particular, they're almost personalized. They, 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 they hit at us, at the essence of who we are, the reason they're personal and direct is because there's a personal influence behind it. There's personal passion behind it. That there's a devil and there are demons. I believe those are things are true. And that they, they have particular interest in pushing you far away from God. And they'll use whatever they can to do that. In fact, that they are in this world and able to use institutions and corporations and governments. That they want to use the people around you. Even your own family, even your own marriage, even your own desires and feelings to do everything possible, everything possible to attack you and draw you away 
from what's good and right and true in God. This is, this is the reality we're really in. And, and I say this to say that this isn't, you know, there's sort of a, a flip end of this where you can begin to say, well, everything around me is satanic, right? So if you're biting your hangnail right now, don't blame Satan for it, all right? Because it feels good. I do it myself, right? <laughs> That's why you bite it, right? It's not to say that everything around you is, 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 is oh, just the devil made me do it. That's not what we're saying here. However, I do want to say, and I, I think I, for our particular audience, I think our danger is more to, to, to think like it's not actually happening. The danger for us is to, to, to not admit that there's more satanic, demonic attacks happening around us than we care to admit and realize. And that part of this is, is realizing this has happened and then maybe even recognizing what's going on. You might say that the form in which it happens. And, and so to take a moment to almost do what I call a case study, some examples of which, <coughs> examples in the Bible of how Satan acts and, and things I think that are helpful for us to see, well, this is, this is what he tends to do. Well, so let's consider for just a few moments, so Adam and Eve, right, and, and Jesus, the temptation Satan did directly to Jesus. One of the things that I think I immediately noticed in looking at that is that there are personalized attacks in those situations. And, and if you think about this, do you wonder why we all don't sin in the same way? Like if you put everyone in the same situation, it's not like one, two, three, we're all, <laughs> all going to screw up right at the same moment. One situation is okay for some people and another situation is not okay for other people. One temptation is great for one person, one temptation is not, is, is, is not so great <laughs> for that person. Reality is our temptations, the things that make us fall away from God are, are detailed specifically to you. You know them. You know when they're coming. Again, because there's personal beings behind it to lead us in those directions. So you notice Adam and Eve, with them, the temptation of, 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 of Satan was about the tree that they'd just been told not to eat from, that specific situation. There's a lot of other things going on, but, but Satan attacks something that's a personal interest to them. With Jesus, Satan brings in the fact that he's been fasting all this time, and so his temptation is, is, is a personal situation, isn't it? The fact that he's, he's hungry and he's being tempted to use God's power selfishly for himself to fix that issue. So I think satanic attacks, there's a personal dimension to it, but there's, there's also, it's worth saying that I think we can identify satanic attacks by the ones that seem especially tricky and subtle. Even the ones that, that are really, uh, I think one of Satan's best devices is to, is to give us just a little bit of truth Right to hide the lie <coughs> that Satan's attacks aren't necessarily sort of in your face, head on, a head on assault. They're more sneaky and deceptive. So you notice in verse eleven it says the schemes of the devil. So that's that word schemes. It, it implies strategy, deception. Even the word devil, it, it literally means deceiver. <laughs> I mean, it's a clue to what he's about. Satan called Jesus called Satan a liar. What Satan likes to do is, is not just sort of you know, kick evil right in front of you, right, and, and hope you're going to trip on it. It's to, it's to put a light frosting of good and truth on the lie, on the evil, and, so, and to push it into our lives. And so we see, oh, I, th- I think I'm all right here. And then all of a sudden, we've been trapped in his attack. Adam and Eve, notice what, what, what the, the, the devil does there, the serpent. He says, did God really say can't eat of any tree. Now, 
There's some truth in the sense of God said you're not to eat from something, but he didn't say you can't eat from any tree. Just one tree. A little bit of truth to disguise the lie. He says, God doesn't want you to do the knowledge of good and evil. God, God never said that. He's giving them a command, right? but, but to, to, to make them doubt God's interest for them. But Jesus, we notice how the devil, I mean, there he uses Bible verses. The Bible, that's good. But he uses it in a way to try to draw Jesus away, to, to say, Jesus, look, you can throw yourself off this building. And, and the grace of God, by God's grace, he's going to take care of you. Look at these Bible verses I just plucked out because the Bible is good. <laughs> Tempting Jesus to abuse the grace of God in that situation. See, Satan and his forces will, will use, I mean, good desires, your desire to be happy, your desire to be safe, your desire to be free, and to convince us that we should do whatever we can, whatever it takes to get those desires met. Accept whatever compromises you need to get that good desire, to get that situation that you need. And in that, we are attacked, right? And we fall away from God, away from his good purposes. You're a hard worker, aren't you? You provide for your family. So yeah, you lost your temper. Right? You lost your temper just then really badly, but I mean... you. They should understand how hard you work. You, you've had a long week. You need rest. Does, doesn't, doesn't redemption talk about Sabbath rest? Right? So I need rest. So it's okay for me to basically check out and just stare at my phone and tablet all weekend long. Ignore my spouse. Ignore my kids. Ignore my friends. Skip out on, on small groups. I'm just, I'm just, I, just, I just need to veg. Right? And ignore everything and everyone around me that that needs my involvement. I'm, I'm resting. You know, I, I am in a dysfunctional relationship. And you know what? This is not going to get better. Why am I even trying? I've, try, I've tried enough. I've tried really good. And sure, I, I've had some, some of it's my, my fault, but some of it's their fault, and it's their turn to try now. So I, it's not worth it anymore. I, I, I'm going to step out of this. See, in all those things, there's a little bit of truth, right? It might actually really be dysfunctional. You might really need rest, right? And you probably are a good, good worker, good family person, uh, good friend, all those different things. But all of it is to disguise the lie. And the lie is almost always in the direction of encouraging you to be selfish or to have self-pity or to feel self-righteous. Again, it's one of the more effective satanic strategies to tempt you in, in the direction of, of, of saying, look, trust in your own righteousness. Trust in your own wisdom. You can manage this. You got this under control. You know what's good and right and true. Don't, you don't need to hear from anyone else on this. You've got it together. You've thought this through. Make the choices you want. Follow through in the desires that you have. And this is the battle we face. This is how he comes at us. In multiple ways, in multiple forms. Notice it says, not just the scheme of the devil. This is not one and done for this guy. <laughs> All right? Schemes, multiple attacks, multiple forms. And, and, and look, the devil, I mean, he's been around a while. <laughs> he's been doing this for a bit. He's had thousands and thousands of years, right, 
<coughs> long, long time, over the course of this whole world, over the course of human history, to study and to know our tendencies, to know what draws us in, to have the perfect strategies to lure us away from God and deeper into our sin. That's why sin, for some of you, it feels so enslaving and, and, and so binding. Of course it does. You've got people going after you who, who've been waiting for the right moments to spring the trap because they know us and how we are and how we, what we tend to be. So, I mean, what, what's the application point here? Well, it's, it's this. Man, we're in some deep trouble. <laughs> we cannot beat this back, can we? And that's, that's the whole point here. I mean, that's why Paul, six times Paul says against, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the spiritual forces of evil. I mean, he only had to say it once, but he, he, he says it multiple times. And it's him saying, look, this is a battle. This is a war. This is a struggle. All the things I've been writing about and talking about, this, I want you to understand, like, you have, you have forces fighting against you to go in those directions. You are already outnumbered, outgunned. I mean, and this is where, let's just bring in something Paul's already said. This is back in chapter 2 of Ephesians. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Basically, we've already been killed. As soon as we walked in, in battle against the devil and the demon, he killed us. Just kicking the corpse right now, right? Having his fun. We are already dead in our sin. We're already being drawn in, pulled away. We aren't strong enough on our own to fight this battle. We've been killed many times over. If we think it's just a flesh and blood battle, then, then we'd be tempted to think we can manage this. This is okay, and that's what that's what Satan wants. Right? That's what that's what they want. To make us think we, we've got this when in fact we don't. We ain't even breathing. There's a bigger battle going on for the heart and soul. And Satan and his demons, they've, they've got the upper hand. So what do we do? There's the battle, but there's the help. But there is help for us in the midst of the battle. Help that comes from God himself. Let's, let's look down at verses 10 to 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The Bible is saying it's possible for us to fight back. And how do we do that? How do we stand against the schemes of the devil? It's by doing this, by being strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And how do we do that? Well, it's by putting on the whole armor of God. With the whole armor of God, we can stand against every scheme the devil comes up against us. So let's, let's break this down. I mean, that's a lot of Christian words in there, right? A lot packed in there. What, what, what does that even mean? Is that just some Christian stuff? Well, let, let's, let's break it down a bit. I mean, so we've been saying there's this battle, right? Spiritual battle, devil and his forces, and, and there's a lot of ways in which we can, we can come up against them. So let's just use that imagery of armor Imagine that, like, either consciously or subconsciously, you're putting on armor. My, my, my righteousness, right, my, my status, uh, the resources I have. Maybe for you it's the armor of passiveness or ignorance. I'm just going to ignore this, right? Others of you, it's the, the armor of I am strong enough. I'm, I, I got the willpower to do what I want to do. 
all sorts of different types of armor. And, uh, and again, the Bible is saying, you, you got nothing. <laughs> You're bringing nothing. You think, you think he hasn't seen that before? Oh, well, yeah, I remember that. I saw that 2,000 years ago. They called it something different back then. <laughs> the same thing. Right? All these different things that we, we think are helping us, but in fact, we're just pulling the slot lever. Thinking in the control, but we, we never were. We don't have what we need, but that's why we need the armor that God provides. And the armor that God provides, we've been reading Ephesians, is Jesus. Ephesians is about putting on Jesus. When it says the armor of God, what you're saying here is we need to put on Jesus. That's the only way of being able to face this battle and having any hope that we have. It's in Jesus Christ. Our help is in Jesus. And to be in Jesus, what does that mean? Well, to be in Jesus is, is that means our sins, so again, our natural tendency to fall away from God, to, to fall into the temptations that Satan and his demons offer, our sins, it says in Jesus, are forgiven. The slate is wiped clean. And, and in fact, the power that they have over us, so that sense that I just can't help but fall in these directions, that sense, that over, sense of being overwhelmed and overrun, the Bible says that power in Jesus is broken by faith in what God has done in Jesus. It no longer has power over you. That in Jesus, you have a new status. That the Bible says you have a righteous status in Jesus. That all the things that the devil wants to throw, over, throw against you and tell you that this is, you aren't right before God, you aren't good before him. All the things that we have been depending on, the things that say, uh, this is what makes me a good person. I, I volunteer, I give charity. I help puppies, I recycle, right? I volunteer, I do short-term missions. I'm good to my wife, I'm good to my kids. All these things that in fact crumble apart when we look in our hearts and realize how easily we pervert and corrupt those things, how easily we fall into temptations. All those things that we're looking for to make us right and good before God. In Jesus, the Bible says you have something that it doesn't matter how many things he throws up against you, they fall apart. You have the armor of God that is Jesus. You are righteous and accepted before him. That in Jesus now, you see the world differently. You can see the lies and the schemes for what they are. Satanic, demonic lies and schemes that you can crush under your foot. Because it's not your foot. You're in Jesus. And he's pretty good at crushing serpents. He knows how to crush the lies of the devil. See, in all this, it's not about our own power and our own strength how easily we run to that, how quickly we think we can get it together, we can do it on our own. It's about putting on Jesus, and it says the whole armor of God. So think of this, it's all of Jesus, not just a little bit of Jesus, all of Jesus and all the ways that he meets us and all the ways that he challenges us. We need all of Jesus because with all of Jesus, then we have all of his righteousness, we have all of his peace, we have all of his love, we have all that we need to stand strong against the devil and his forces. And that's the goal here, isn't it? To stand strong, to stand firm against the devil's schemes. Notice what it says there, to stand, right? As opposed to, it doesn't say, put on Jesus so that you can now parachute into enemy territory, march against the castle, and claim territory. In the name of Jesus, I claim this territory. I'm, I'm, I'm going after the devil, I'm going after his demons. It doesn't actually say that, does it? It says something different. It says, it doesn't say to stand so that you can now launch 
and attack. It says stand because the attack has already been launched. See, from the perspective of the Bible, the great battle has already been fought. Someone has already parachuted in. It's who you're in. It's Jesus. You see, the one we are in, the armor that we put on is the armor of the victorious general. That in Jesus, in his death and resurrection, he went into the kingdom of sin and death and and evil, and he beat them all. The Bible tells us in, in Colossians 2, verse 15, he, that's Jesus, disarmed the rulers and authorities. He stripped them of their power, and then he put them to shame, triumphing over them in him. So, so yes, we've got help. It's help in Jesus. But what the Bible wants to say, it's help that we, in fact, what we're doing is, is, is resting in the help that's already been given, the power that we already have, the power that we got by faith in what God already accomplished in and through Jesus. The real and most important battle has been fought. And how do you know that? You can know that if you can sit here and say, yeah, my, my sins are forgiven. That the instant, the instant you bring whatever mess you bring to Jesus, he takes care of it. You don't have to wait. The instant you bring it to him, he forgives and begins to restore us. You can know the battle's been won and fought by the fact that there is now a people a new people group that we call the church, a people who've been brought together, Jew and Gentile, people from every tribe, language, and nation brought together and united together into a new family, into a new people and one new family. The fact that that's happened tells you that God has already done something in Jesus. He's already accomplished something in him. So that means the attacks of the devil, it's like the last stabs of a dying enemy. I mean, he's still deadly, still dangerous. He's like, he's like a bear, but a wounded cornered bear, still swiping, still trying hard. And, and, and we face this enemy not trying to want, if, if you have faith in Jesus, you face this enemy not wondering what's going to happen. You face this enemy knowing he's on his last gasp, trying to bring a few more people down with him. It's a very different perspective, isn't it? To face the devil and his demons. I mean, make a mistake, this is a real threat. There's real danger. There's attacks coming, but it's possible to stand strong in them. There is strength and power that we have because it's resurrection strength. It's resurrection power. It's the kind of strength that raises the dead. It's the kind of strength that the Bible already has told us in Ephesians 1 has seated Jesus at the right hand of God in the heavenly places. This Jesus who is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name, that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. That is who you have in your corner. That is who you're in. You're in Jesus. So as, you, as we finish, and as you, some of you, as we head out today, I mean, some of you might be leaving feeling a little, little bit overwhelmed. Satan, <laughs> supernatural forces, a battle, war, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Better you know the truth. There's a reality behind our reality, a supernatural reality with powers and strategies that have been built up since the world began. And make the mistake, we have no chance against it. Don't, don't, <laughs> please don't think you've got it all together. Please don't think, you, you have no control over your life. <laughs> you have so little control over your own life. We think we do. But if you really look at it, really think about it, no control over, over the air that's in here. 
No control over what happens as you walk out those doors. What chance do we have against the devil and his forces? The Bible says none. That's why the Bible says Satan and his demons are rulers of this world. You may feel overwhelmed, but you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. What I hope and pray is that instead you're able to leave here with a little bit more understanding of what's really gone, going on, but, but even more, you leave with, with a sense of hope and confidence. A sense of hope and confidence that's tied, first of all, into to believing that God has done something in Jesus. If you don't have that, then, then yeah, <laughs> you're in some trouble. The Bible says if, if you have that hope, that faith in what God has done in Jesus Christ, that means, yeah, you're being attacked. And, and that means you've got worries, you've got doubts. You even might have some, some failures, some ways in which you trip up. But you are now in Jesus. Not just in Jesus, you're in the Lord Jesus. You're in the Lord Jesus, resurrected, sitting on the throne, Jesus. And that makes all the difference. It means that the doubts and worries, even the failures that you have, for some of us, like, I think we spend our lives feeling like we're looking up at them. Right? It's like you're drowning and you're just constantly just trying to get up to the surface through all the mess, through the doubts, the worries, the concerns, the frustration, the depression, whatever it is. And Satan wants you to think that's what you're doing. You're drowning and you're constantly trying to get up to the, to the, to the, to the surface. In Jesus, the Bible says you are seated with him on that throne. You're not, you're not looking up at them. You're looking down at them. You're looking down. Those worries and those concerns and those failures, they're real. They've happened. You've messed up. But you look down on them. You look down on them with power. You look down on them with hope and with confidence that who you have with you is greater than him who's in the world. That's what you stand in. And all the things that we'll see as we finish this chapter in Ephesians, all the things that God has brought to you is to, to help you say, look, stand in that. Rest in that. Know that victory, the victory that comes to you in Jesus. It's yours. Take it. Claim it. Live in it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you um, that um, in a world that, that is often confusing <laughs> and concerning um, and overwhelming, Lord, you've given us, first of all, this, the, the, the knowledge of what's really going on, um, but also, Lord, the, the power that we need, um, Lord, the help that we need. It only comes to us in Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray um, that we would, we, would, we would see that Jesus is so much more <laughs> than we realize. Um, he is the Lord Jesus. He is the Lord resurrected, seated on the throne, Jesus. And that's what's been given to the church. And it's what's been given to us. And so, Lord God, we, we claim power in that name, in the name of Jesus. Uh, we claim victory um, over every attack, Lord, and we call them. Lord, they're not just, they're satanic and demonic attacks. We see them for what they are. Um, but, Lord, I pray that, that everyone here has placed the faith in Jesus that gives them the ability to stand firm and strong. Um, Lord, may we, may we have that perspective. Uh, may we live that out. We thank you, we bless you for what you've done for us. In your name we pray, amen.